Thank you very much, my dear listener, for choosing our station. This is a new life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. Today we'll be having a Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. The story is about Jesus foretells the future. Thereafter, we'll be having Brother Steve Rundu talk about the year of release during the Bible segment. To start off, here's a song, Sweet Hour of Prayer, by Nathaniel Nagol.
is now time to welcome the Bible in Living Sound to share with us. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, behold, your house is left unto you desolate. But Jesus probably didn't mean anything special. No, Kephas, you know better than that. The words of Jesus have always had a special meaning. Too deep, I'll admit, for most people to understand, uh, even us. <sighs> You mean I'm not as wise as that that unlettered, illiterate man from Nazareth? Are you? Well, are you? Well, of course, of course. Then tell me, what did he mean in saying that the temple would be left desolate? I doubt if what he means makes any difference. Well, it could mean that uh, soon the magnificent temple, the glory of our nation, will lie in ruins. <laughs> Inconceivable. The temple is indestructible. Well, your indifference is merely put on. You're as worried as I am. Well, what difference does it make? Soon we'll have him put to death. What could he have meant? Who and what? Jesus. When he said the house would be left desolate. Well, I thought he had reference to the temple, but uh, thinking it over, how could he? After all, the temple is indestructible, with its pure white walls made of enormous marble blocks... Some of it, they say, even stood the siege of Nebuchadnezzar's army. Now, how those mighty walls could ever be o'erthrown is hard to comprehend. I remember that the master said, There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Why do we not ask him his meaning? Where is he? On Mount of Olives, alone. Do you, James, Andrew, do you want to go with Peter and me to see the master? Surely. May we talk to thee, Master? Sit down, my disciples. The things that thou talked of, Master, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? In answering thee, I answer not only for thee, but also for those who should live in the last scenes of this earth's history. Yes, Master. we understand, Lord. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. But, Master, how can anyone be fooled? Thou art the Christ. In the last days shall come many doing marvelous things, until they almost deceive the very elect. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. The rumors of wars are heard even now. Emperors are murdered. Men fight for supremacy. Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Oh, terrible things are ahead. As the religious leaders see these things, they will declare them to be God's judgments upon the nations for holding in bondage his chosen people. They will declare that these signs are the token of the advent of the Messiah. Be not deceived. They are the beginning of his judgment. That sounds exactly like our religious leaders, always blaming someone else for what they do. The people have glorified themselves. They have not repented and been converted that I should heal them. Many shall be offended and shall betray and hate one another. 
Is it possible, Master, that fathers and mothers shall betray their children? Children betray their parents? Friend betray friend? This shall be. When shall these things be, Master? When ye see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Flee ye to the mountains. Pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. After these things, the Son of Man shall come the second time in majesty and glory. Oh, when shall thy second coming be, Lord? No man knoweth the day nor hour, no, not even the angels in heaven. First, there shall be great tribulation. If any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. As the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Are these things sure, Master? As in the days of Noah, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood took them away. So also shall it be at the second coming of the Son of Man. For thy coming will be a surprise to many, my Lord. Take ye heed, watch and pray. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. The false teachers look for the church to enjoy earthly prosperity and glory. They are saying peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Watch ye therefore, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass, and to stand before the Son of Man. I hope that you've indeed enjoyed that story from the Bible in Living Sound. Remember to send us your views, comments, or questions about this program. Write to the producer, Adventist All Radio, PO Box 42276, code 001009, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awr at Let us now listen to Nathaniel Nagol with the song Hiding in Thee.
Ages, I'm hiding in thee. Thank you so much, Nathaniel Nagol, for such an item. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. It is now time for the Bible segment. Join me as I welcome Brother Steve. The year of release. Our key text this day comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, reading from verses 1 all through to 18. I read, At the end of every seven years you must cancel debts. This is how it is to be done. Every creditor shall cancel the loan he has 
made to his fellow Israelite, he shall not require payment from his fellow Israelite or brother, because the Lord's time for cancelling debt has been proclaimed. You may require payment from a foreigner, but you must cancel any debt your brothers owe you. If I go down to verses 7, If there is a poor man among your brothers in any of the towns or the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend him whatever he needs. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts, is near, so that you do not show ill will toward your needy brother and give him nothing. He may then appeal to the Lord against you, and you will be found guilty of sin. If I jump down to verses 12, it says, If a fellow Hebrew, a man or a woman, sells himself to you and serves you six years, in the seventh year you must let him go free. And when you release him, do not send him away or empty-handed. Supply him liberally from your flock, your threshing floor and your winepress. Give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. The year of release put a stop to the familiar circle of the rich getting richer and the poor poorer, regardless of how much debt the poor may have incurred. Or the reason for the debt, the year of release provided a comprehensive program of debt cancellation and freedom from indentured servitude. This radical economic legislation was grounded in Israel's identity as a nation with first-hand experience of God's generosity. God wanted the memories of their release from bondage and inheritance of the promised land to be evident in Israel's economic life. He wanted Israel to be a culture of radical generosity. Stewardship theologian Ronald E. Vallet notes that both Exodus 21 verses 2 to 11 and Deuteronomy 15 verses 1 to 11 spelled out provisions for the remission of debts every seven years. Vallet points out that God went even further in Leviticus 25. Those provisions were incorporated into the practice of the Jubilee year. Every 50 years of Sabbaths, the year after seven sevens, the land was to have rest from cultivation. There was a homecoming in which family land that had been forfeited was to be returned. Debts were to be cancelled, slaves were to be set free. The provisions were radical. In effect, all society was commanded to pursue God's interest and passion for justice. Isaiah 61, especially verses 1 and 2, with their reference to the year of the Lord's favor, is Isaiah's allusion to the year of Jubilee, an idea that influences the prophets greatly. Isaiah 61 verse 8 sums up forcefully the divine passion for justice embedded in all of Scripture. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. It is debated whether they ever completely celebrated the Jubilee at all. This behavior demonstrates how radical God's laws proved, but it makes disobedience no more excusable. We cannot directly import God's ancient civil legislation with Israel into today's churches or governments, but Jesus alluded to the Jubilee in his famous sermon in the Nazareth synagogue. 
suggesting that the broader principle of concern to free people from their physical as well as spiritual slavery remains intact. Deeply embedded in the values of our entity, founding fathers and our nation was the mandate inscribed on the liberty bell that is still housed in Philadelphia to proclaim liberty throughout the land of America. Sadly, many today, even in Christian circles which still cite this patriotic slogan, do not know that it is a direct quote from Leviticus 25 verses 10 in a context designed to promote economic liberty and self-sustenance for all God's people, however poor. How will a society be affected if it followed the Mosaic laws of release? How would God be honored if that happened? Now imagine what it will be like to experience financial jubilee one time in your lifetime, to be able to start from a clean slate with no debts or obligations to be repaid. What will that freedom enable you to do? Let us pray about it. Lord, we ask you this day that is there any area in my life where I need to release someone from a debt? How can I practice a time of release in my relationships and my lifestyle? Show me, Lord, how you would like me to live. For you redeemed me and released me from the bondage of sin. Show me how to show the same love to others. I have prayed, trusting and believing in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have come to the end of our show for today. Please send us your views, comments, or questions about this program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100Nairobi, Kenya. Our email address is awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been a presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Sweet Lord of Sweet Lord of